You are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on this four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings with other listeners and followers, you can do so at Facebook at the group Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. Now, let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 136. And we transition into book two of volume two, or what would be considered book four of the totality of the volumes. I will refer to it as book four. Our reading comes then from volume two, book four, chapter one, paragraphs 375 to 380. Book two. Describing the anxieties of St. Joseph on account of the pregnancy of the Most Holy Mary, the birth of Christ our Lord, his circumcision, the adoration of the kings, the presentation of the infant in the temple, the flight into Egypt, the death of the holy innocents, and the return to Nazareth. Chapter 1. St. Joseph becomes aware of the pregnancy of his spouse, the Virgin Mary, and is filled with anxiety as he knows that he had no part in it. 375. The divine pregnancy of the Princess of Heaven had advanced to its fifth month, when the most chaste Joseph, her husband, commenced to notice the condition of the Virgin. For on account of the natural elegance and perfection of her virginal body, as I have already remarked, number 115, any change could not only remain concealed, and would so much the sooner be discovered. One day, when St. Joseph was full of anxious doubts and saw her coming out of her oratory, he noticed more particularly this evident change, without being able to explain away what he saw so clearly with his eyes. The man of God was wounded to his inmost heart by an arrow of grief to ward off the force of evidence which at the same time wounded his soul. The principal cause of his grief was the most chaste, and therefore the most intense love with which he cherished his most faithful spouse, and in which he had from the beginning given over to her his whole heart. Moreover, her charming graces and incomparable holiness had captured and bound to her his inmost soul, as she was so perfect and accomplished in her modesty and humble reticence. St. Joseph, besides his anxious solicitude to serve her, naturally entertained the loving desire of meeting a responsive love from his spouse. This was so ordained by the Lord, in order that by the desire for this interchange of affection, 
he might be incited to love and serve her more faithfully. 376. St. Joseph fulfilled this obligation as a most faithful spouse and as the guardian of the sacrament, which as yet was concealed from him. In proportion as he was solicitous in serving and venerating his spouse and loving her with the most pure, chaste, holy, and just love, and so far also increased his desire of finding a response to his affection and service. He never manifested or spoke of this desire as well as on account of the reverence elicited by the humble majesty of his spouse, as also because the more than angelic purity, conversation, and intercourse of the virgin with him had given him no apprehension in this regard. But when he found himself thus unexpectedly in the face of this disclosure, where the clear evidence of his senses allow no denial, his soul was torn asunder by sorrowful surprise. Yet, though overwhelmed by the evidence of this change in his spouse, he gave his thoughts no greater liberty than to admit what his eyes could not fail to perceive. For being a holy and a just man, Matthew one nineteen, although he saw the effect, he withheld his judgment. As to the cause, without doubt, if the saint had believed that his spouse had any guilt in causing this condition, he would have died of sorrow. 377. Besides all this was the certainty of his not having any part in this pregnancy, the effects which were before his eyes, and there was the inevitable dishonor which would follow as soon as it would become public. This thought caused so much the greater anxiety in him as he was of a most noble and honorable disposition, and in his great foresight he knew how to weigh the disgrace and shame of himself and his spouse in each circumstances. The third and most intimate cause of the sorrow, and which gave him the deepest pain, was to dread of being obliged to deliver over his spouse to the authorities to be stoned. Leviticus 20.10 For this was the punishment of an adulteress convicted of the crime. The heart of St. Joseph, filled with these painful considerations, found itself, as it were, exposed to the thrusts of many sharp-edged swords, without any other refuge than the full confidence which he had in his spouse. But as all outward signs confirmed the correctness of his observations, there was no escape from these tormenting thoughts, and as he did not dare to communicate about his grievous affliction with anybody, he found himself surrounded by the sorrows of death, Psalm 17.5, and he experienced in himself the saying of the scriptures that jealousy is hard as hell, Canticle 8.6. When he attempted to follow out these thoughts in solitude, grief suspended his faculties. If his thoughts touched upon the wrong, which his senses led him to suspect, they melted away as the ice before the sun, or vanished like the dust before the wind, as soon as he remembered the well-tried holiness of his modest, circumspect spouse. If he tried to suspend the workings of his chaste love, he could not, for she continued to present himself to his thoughts as the most worthy object of his love, and the hidden truth of her fidelity had more power of attracting his love than the deceitful appearances of infidelity to destroy it. The strong and sure bond which truth, reason, and justice had woven about her fidelity could not be broken. 
He found no suitable occasion of opening his mind to his heavenly spouse, nor did her serene and heavenly equanimity seem to invite him to such an explanation. Although he could not but admit the change in her shape, yet he could not conceive how her purity and holiness could be compatible with any failing such as this change might indicate. For it seemed impossible to him to connect such a sin with one who manifested such chastity, tranquility, and holy discretion, and such united harmony of all graces and virtues in her daily life. 3.79 In the midst of these tormenting anxieties, the holy spouse Joseph appealed to the tribunal of the Lord in prayer, and placing himself in his presence, he said, Most high Lord and God, my desires and sighs are not unknown to thee. I find myself cast about by the violent waves of sorrow, Psalm 31.10, which, through my senses, have come to afflict my heart. I have given myself over with entire confidence to the spouse, whom thou hast given me. I have confided entirely in her holiness, and the signs of this unexpected change in her are giving rise to tormenting and fearful doubts, lest my confidence be misplaced. Nothing have I until now seen in her which could give occasion for any doubt in her modesty and her extraordinary virtue. Yet at the same time I cannot deny that she is pregnant. To think that she has been unfaithful to me and has offended thee would be temerity, in view of such rare purity and holiness. To deny what my own eyes perceive is impossible. But it is not impossible that I die of grief, unless there is some mystery hidden beneath it which I cannot yet fathom. Reason proclaims her as blameless, while the senses accuse her. She conceals from me the cause of her pregnancy, while I have it before my eyes. What shall I do? We both have come to an agreement concerning our vows of chastity, and we have both promised to keep them for thy glory, if it could be possible that she has violated her fidelity toward thee and toward me, I would defend thy honor and would forget mine for love of thee. Yet how could she preserve such purity and holiness in all other things if she had committed so grave a crime in this? And on the other hand, why does she, who is so holy and prudent, conceal this matter from me? I withhold and defer my judgment, nothing able to penetrate to the cause of what I see. I pour out in thy presence my afflicted soul. Psalm 141.3 God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, receive my tears as an acceptable sacrifice. And if my sins merit thy indignation, let thy own clemency and kindness move thee, not to despise my excruciating sorrow. I do not believe that Mary has offended thee, yet much less can I presume that there is a mystery of which I, as her spouse, am not to be informed. Govern thou my mind and heart by thy divine light, in order that I may know, and fulfill that which is most pleasing to thee. 380. St. Joseph persevered in this kind of prayer, adding many more affectionate petitions. For even though he conjectured that there must be some mystery in the pregnancy of the Most Holy Mary hidden from him, he could not find assurance therein. This thought had no greater force to exculpate Most Holy Mary and the other reasons founded upon her holiness. And therefore, the idea that the Most Holy Queen might be the mother of the Messiah did not come to his mind. If, at times, he drove away his conjectures, they would return in greater number and with more urgent force of evidence. Thus, he was cast about on the turbulent waves of doubt from sheer exhaustion. 
he would at times fall into a condition of mind wherein he could find neither an anchor of certainty for his doubts nor tranquility for his heart nor any standard by which he could direct his course. Yet his forbearance under this torment was so great that it was an evident proof of his great discretion and holiness and that it made him worthy of the singular blessing which awaited him. This concludes our reading for today, day number 136, in which we have read from Book 4, Chapter 1 of Volume 2, paragraphs 375 to 380. Joseph begins to notice the pregnancy of Our Lady. He has questions. He doesn't understand. He has not yet asked Our Lady. These doubts or anxieties enter his mind, but yet he is still able to say in his prayer to God, but it is not impossible that I die of grief unless there is some mystery hidden beneath it which I cannot yet fathom. And that's the reality. Joseph doesn't understand yet the mystery to be revealed to him, that a virgin conceived a child, that a virgin is going to give birth to the God-man, that he is going to be the protector of that child and raise that child as his own, that the very Son of God will live with him. But soon this will be revealed to him. And it'll be interesting to see how it is in the mystical city of God revealed to him. Is it going to be revealed immediately by Mary? Is he going to ask those questions of her? Is the angel going to come to him as he makes a resolution to divorce her? Maybe he never talks about it with her. I'm very interested to see what is going to unfold. I think the biggest takeaway from today's reading is the fact that Joseph was anxious, he was worried, and what did he do? He took it to God in prayer. He shared with the Lord, this is how I feel and I can't understand, but I know you're going to give me understanding. And so for us, whenever we face doubts or anxieties, we also then turn to the Lord in prayer, asking for his help and his direction. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the Mystical City of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you and Mary pray for you.